Studios. It's time for The Rush with Podcast Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. My expectations are from, from the fans and from the administration is no different than my expectations from the players and the coaches. You know, if, if best is the standard, then, then everybody, that's what our players deserve. You know, everybody has a part. Everything that we do matters in this program. How we show up on the spring game matters. We're going to have recruits here. It matters. Our players are going to bust their tails for this place in, in September and October and November and December and January. Okay, then we expect the best from, from everybody else, supporting the program the right way. Okay, don't matter how, what the temperature is or what time it is, you know, you know, where the sun is during the day, you know, what we're doing if we have a halftime show or not. Okay, what road or what way, what uniforms we're wearing, none of that stuff matters. Show up. Okay, how we show up matters. Okay, send a message. There's head coach Brent Venables challenging the fans to show up to the spring game tomorrow. Tyler, we're less than 24 hours out, man. Yes, sir. 23 hours to be exact uh, from kicking this thing off. Um, rumor is 60,000. Tickets have been sold. Um, if they get the walk-up numbers that they think, they will possibly be opening up the upper decks, which, how awesome would that be? you got a full lower bowl, and they've got the upper deck with, with people up there too. That would be just amazing. Be really cool. I, I, um, I think they're probably right about the walk-up crowd because I'm sure there were some people holding out for one reason or another, complaining about the $15 tickets, didn't want to get out in the crowd had some sort of other obligation. And maybe I'm just one of the few out there that gets the FOMO feeling. But, dude, I I get FOMO if I'm not going to something. I feel yeah. like there's probably a lot of that going on today, even for some of the people that have previously said that they're not going with all the excitement that's happening today. There's a lot of people that are going to be like, yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to miss out on this. I need to go. Yep, yep. And – I don't, maybe maybe since it's just going to be general admission, um, you know, because like for a typical football game, you'll have a lot of people that hang out on Campus Corner in the tailgates and never actually go to the game, right? Just kind of watch it out there at the tailgate. And you may end up getting, as you said, some FOMO from, from people that are doing that that say, hey, let's just go in and watch a little bit and hang out and see the halftime deal and yeah, so I'd be careful I'm with, with that, man. Um, I'm almost of the belief that five minutes before the game starts, BV's going to take a golf cart around and drag people in there that are just hanging outside the stadium. Start taking names out there, seeing <laughs> who's uh, who's man. not going in. <laughs> hey, get your butts in there and go watch this game. Let's go. I don't count it out, man. Don't count it out. It might happen. Yeah, and one of the major questions still remains – is Venables going to have the microphone like he has at practice during the spring game? Is that going to happen? Because he's he's not one like the head coaches are Miguel Chavis and Demarco Murray. So what's he going to be doing while they're head coaching their their squads? And I know he'll always be coaching something, but is he going to have the microphone? I think his plan to start the game or his plan right now at least, is to say, all right, 
I'm going to let these guys control it. I'm going to be watching, and I'm going to be monitoring, and you know, I'll interject every now and then. But for the most part, I'm going to let the head coaches be the head coaches. Yeah. And then about three plays in, that's going to go to total crap, and he'll be all over the place, probably bust out the microphone, and it's as if Miguel Chavis and DeMarco Murray were never named head coaches. He'll just take over. He won't be able to help himself. It's like whenever you let uh, let your kid drive or something or, or whatever. Say, okay, yeah, you've had enough. You scoot over. I'm taking over this thing. I'll take the wheel. Yeah, probably something like that. Uh, I heard you guys talking earlier on Locked In about like the the player to to pop or the guy that's going to be the the buzzworthy yeah. name coming out of the thing. I've as I've thrown it around. It's got to be Jalil Farouk. Got to be. Why does it have to be? It could be Eric Gray. That's who I have as my offensive MVP. Yeah. I think, and I'm not saying that Eric Gray doesn't play good. I think Eric Gray is going to play good, but that's a name people are already really familiar with. I I think there's a big portion of, of fans that are, you know, they've probably heard you know, throughout the spring that he that Farouk has done some good things, but when they see him in person, because he looks like he's gained 15 pounds of muscle since last season, I think when they see him in person, if he makes a couple of big plays, like I think he's going to be maybe one of the new stars on the squad. Yeah, um, but I, I think even the fan base, by the way that he played in the Alamo Bowl, is expecting – Big things from Farouk. Like I, I, I kind of mean. I think that Farouk and Eric Gray kind of might be in a similar situation. It's not like Eric Gray rushed for twelve hundred yards last year or just tore it up every single game. I still think that there's a lot that that he's he needs starting to prove. running back all year. I think that there's still a lot that he needs to prove. And with a great day tomorrow, I definitely think he could be the talk. Same thing with um, Farouk. Farouk could have a good day, but it's not going to shock anyone if he has four catches for eighty-five yards and a touchdown. Like I. By this time, we are factoring in, I think, pretty heavily that Farouk's going to be the number two receiver, if not number one. Well, let me ask you a question. How many catches do you think Farouk had last year? Not many. Not many. Not a whole lot of opportunities. How How many do you think he had in the Alamo Bowl? Four. Did he have four in the Alamo Bowl? Is that it? Three catches. Oh, well, they were loud. Three catches. They were loud. He had a 30-yarder. Three for 64. I don't know, man. I, I think I think people are going to be uh, shocked by what he brings and and what type of uh, what type of player he's going to be. I mean, he's that's that's pretty good case scenario. Like you, you you feel like you know what you have with Mims. Even after that sophomore season, he's a good player. If you throw in Farouk to the mix and he looks like a totally different body and a totally different dude out there, then no, I, I mean, I, I think he could be like the story tomorrow for sure. I, I, no doubt about that. I think he could be the number one receiver next year. In fact, there's probably a lot of people out there that would tell you that he will be. I, I would. I'm leaning pretty heavily in that camp, and I think Mims is really good, but. Jalil Farouk is like three inches taller and, I don't know, 30 pounds heavier? I mean, 
he is a solidly built wide receiver. I mean, an athletic, goes up and makes plays. I mean, he's – I would compare him closer to C.D. Lamb than I would – Look at Mr. Comparison out today, Dad. Gum. I'm just saying, like body wow. wise. How tall is CD? Is he six two? You, message boards. Did you hear that? Teddy is comparing for Jaleel Farouk to uh, CD Lamb. Please create a thread. Oh, <laughs> uh, you insider, Sooner Scoop. Let's get it started. Come on. Um, all right, I'll I'll remember that. Text line. Someone sends us a twelve pack of Mighty Swell Spike Seltzer. And says, Teddy and Tyler, I'm prepared for pregame tomorrow. Nice. Nicely done. That's going to be good. If BV has a bullhorn, will he Will he try to leave? Will he like go up to people after halftime who are trying to leave and shame them as they're trying to walk up the stairs, probably? Yeah. Yes. Perhaps. You with the hot dog. Give me fat. Uh, give me 50, fat boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's on there. Will they let people in for free after halftime? Come on, guys. No more being cheap about the spring game. Will they let people in for free after halftime? Maybe. Yeah, sure. No, I don't know. I No, they won't. They're actually going to charge triple after trying to get in after halftime. Seriously, no, no, no. They should charge triple if you're not going to come in until halftime. Right. Gosh, it's I, I that that's what I'm most excited about for the spring game, is that we can't complain about the prices anymore after it's done. Is hey, is everything general admission or can you are there club seats or stuff like well, there that? There were there were south end zone club seats. Um, there were the other. I mean, there were club seats available that you could buy. I don't. I think all those are sold out though. Right. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, I. I don't know, man. I'm looking forward to it. I. Who do you think's the? Okay, we we both offensively. You said Eric Gray. I said Farouk. What about defensive? Buzz player coming out of it. Yeah. So uh, initially, I had Key Lawrence down as the defensive MVP, but after yeah. Parker and I split, and I'm taking the white team and he's taking the red team, I had to scramble. So I scrambled towards uh, Justin Broyles. And the reason why I picked Justin Broyles and the reason why I picked Key Lawrence in the first place is I think if we're talking about, like, the defensive MVP tomorrow, I think a good bet is someone in the secondary since I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of of balls thrown down the field. Experienced secondary guys, I think, are going to have quite the edge tomorrow against that offense. So I guess I'm factoring in that Justin Broyles is going to have a couple nice tackles in the open field, and mm. maybe a maybe a tur- maybe a takeaway of some kind. That's what I'm basing it on. Huh. Okay. No, you're not going to go with uh, Bauman, Billy Bauman. I'm not going with Billy Bauman. I am going with the redshirt senior from OKC, Justin Broyles, who some people like to hate on, but was pretty consistent last year when he needed to be, especially early on in the season when they didn't have very many bodies back there. I think there's two picks to make if you're if you're picking secondary players. Um, pick one, Kanai Walker um, playing corner. He's going to be wearing number 26. 
and he is not going to look like a corner whenever he's out there. 6'2", 203 as a corner. Yeah. Big dude. He's big and only dude. a redshirt freshman, by the way. Um, I don't know why I was under this impression that he was at Louisville for like three or four years, but he's still, he's still a young kid. You talk about a bright future there. He's He's got a chance, man. Yep. The the it's Kanai Walker and Billy Bowman are the are the defensive guys from the secondary to pick from. Those in are, my opinion, those are both, both those guys are on the white team. So you were saying earlier the white has the better offense. You might be leaning towards white has the better defense too. Yeah, uh, I, you know what? I think another guy to watch out there that may look really really good is Justin Harrington. Yeah, I. I found myself really rooting for him. Now, he did what he did last season, whatever, but he really seemed like he worked really hard to get his way back out on the team. They made him change his jersey number. They took away his scholarship. Like, that's got to be tough, man. Like, they took away your jersey number, man. You had to find a different jersey number. I'm, I'm rooting for him to find a way to factor into this defense this year. I think that'd be a pretty cool story. All right, what backer, inside backer, are you looking for to uh, to be the guy we're talking I, about? I mean, 40,000 people are going to be watching TD Roofs every single move after what you've said about him the past two weeks. Well, they're going to be watching uh, technically the best linebacker on the team. Now, uh, physically limited. He's a small guy, man, 5'11", 215 pounds. Um, I, think, I think a guy that's come on strong, uh, Aguebu, yeah, good. Uh, second half of of spring came on pretty strong. Um, I think he's a guy to watch, and we'll see what type of day Stutzman has. Yeah, Stutzman is going to be like there's going to be people watching TD Roof based off what you said, but Stutzman will be the most watched guy out of the backers. Six three two thirty four, a sophomore can run. That that's that's the guy we'll all be keeping our eyes on. I think I think people will be watching Canick too. Sure, he's 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 going to play quite a bit, and he's got a lot of good tools. Um, not totally ready yet, obviously. Just he's fourteen. He's fourteen practices in, which is not a lot as a as a young player. So um, he'll probably make some mistakes out there. But my guess is he'll flash some athleticism too. I just I just love that you can go all the way up and down this roster. And with everyone, it's, yeah, I mean, he's going to factor in the rotation, but he's got someone on his heels to be the number one guy. Or it's, man, he needs to have an awesome spring, an awesome summer, an awesome training camp to really put himself in a position to be on the two deep or be a starter and play a lot. Like the only, like we talked about it, but the only guy, uh, Dylan Gabriel's the only guy where that's not really the case. Everyone else that I'm looking at is – pretty motivated to play well for one reason or the other tomorrow which is yeah it's gonna make it fun all right d-line <sighs> man you're hearing a lot of good things about jordan kelly yeah i know that he's not maybe the flashiest name like you might bring up you know jeffrey johnson the tulane transfer let's see if Jalen redmond looks like that dude but Isaiah Coe, can he take that next step? But I'm I'm looking for Jordan Kelly in his last year to have a massive season and what he can put together tomorrow. Jordan Kelly's done some good stuff. 
um, most consistent defensive lineman they got. Um, you know, Redmond is he's the most talented player for the interior defensive lineman. But I don't know, man. What do you mean you don't know? <sighs> That's not good. I don't know. I hope that I hope that Redmond uh, shows up, and I'm not just talking about the spring game. I'm talking about in the fall. I hope he shows up and makes use of the talent that he's got. I hope that's the case. Because if not, it's going to be a massive, massive waste. All right. Well, that's a not-so-subtle way of saying that he's maybe not approaching it the same way as some of these other guys are. Oh, what do you mean? I didn't say that. I just <laughs> no. said I hope he shows up <laughs> and and plays his best football. Maybe it was the long pauses and the several <sighs> defeated, I don't know, sounds that you made. But, yeah, I I think we all took away what you were trying to say there. He's He's got to have a lot better approach on a day-to-day basis than what he does right now. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. That's fine. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what he looks like. My guess is he'll probably uh, have a couple of moments out there that really flash and have some wow moments, but we got to have some consistency, right? Isn't it time for some consistency? What, what is this, Perion Winfrey 2.0? we got to put a number eight jersey on him tomorrow or what? I don't know. Maybe, perhaps. Perhaps. I'm what about D-End? I'm surprised, I'm, uh, I'm surprised to hear that about him. Um, not that I've really like dug in or like asked people how he was doing. I, I guess I kind of took for granted that he was going to have a um, – I, I don't know. I, that's, that surprises me that you, that you phrase it or say it that way. That surprises me too. Um, Reggie Grimes at D-End uh, I think may be the guy that – that flashes a little bit out there. He's um, he's a big dude now, a big, heavy-handed dude, and it sounds like he's starting to settle in and get it. You know, like there, there's just a time where you kind of get over the hump experience-wise, and it all just pulls together, and it, it sounds like maybe the back half of, of spring is – kind of been that type of uh, deal for Reggie Grimes, which is great to hear. Yeah, um, they, BV was saying good things about Marcus Stripling earlier this week, too. Yeah. So you get those yep. two guys at DM playing well, I'll feel a lot better about this defense, not that I feel bad. Hey, one final thing on Redmond, though, before we hit a break. Like he, if that's, if that's an issue, he, he better get it together, man, because I, I, they're just, especially in year one, they're not going to approach it. They're not just going to play you because you might be the most talented guy out there. You got to earn it, dude. Like, if that's seriously the way that he's approaching things, it's not just about not having the money making year that he needs to have. That guy won't see himself out on the field if that's what he's all about. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully it, it comes together for him because he's immensely talented. Immensely, he's he's like just so explosively talented that whenever he he flips the switch and goes he can be totally unblockable so 
Yeah, I don't know. He's super, super strong. Hopefully he hopefully he gets that that uh, that urge to go out there and try and try and do something special. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Newcastle Casino, I forty four exit one oh seven in Newcastle. We've got happy hour going on every day, three to six. They've got good deals going on domestics, five dollar wells. Uh, we'll be back. Football Friday on The Rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Cavens Construction bringing you hour number two of The Rush. Cavens offers remodeling, roofing, water restoration, and facility maintenance. 24-7 emergency repairs. Yeah, Cavens does that as well. Give them a call. 405-573-3048. Tulsa, 918-282-7612. CavensConstruction.com. Cavens also a proud sponsor of the Diamond Envy podcast. New episode just dropped today, so go check out Diamond Envy in Apple Podcast. Josh Pate, who does, uh, I think he does a pretty good job at 24-7 Sports. He yeah. um, he takes a side between OU and USC here. He argues why OU over the next five years will be much better than uh, USC. I love the uh, the comment about we've seen as far as the OU program can go under Lincoln Riley. I mean, right. we probably would have never had a quarterback duo like Baker and Kyler Murray. That didn't even end up in a national championship game. So I, I thought that that was kind of the, the dead ringer for me. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 think there's, I think there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of that makes sense and stands up to scrutiny. Um, it, it just it goes back to what I think is is very critical is that Lincoln's never been a part of a championship at at, at any level of of coaching, not as a player, not as a uh, student assistant, GA, graduate assistant, position coach, uh, coordinator head coach and I think that matters I you're you're kind of 
you're still like in experimental mode. Like what works, what doesn't? What should we try? What should we not try? What have we done in the past that had results and what have we not tried that that may be able to to get us over the hump? Like he hasn't seen it done and Venables has. I think that matters. Yeah, no, it does he's, matter. He's, yeah. Um, and I love this quote from him. It, it, it's about a minute long, so so bear with us a little bit, but it says kind of exactly that. I, I love this. Boom. What else needs to be said after that? that everything was said in that uh, one minute and 11 second clip. Right. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah, I, I think that's uh, I think that's really not all the reason you need, but it's it's just it's kind of laid out there perfectly. Now, there's some advantages that USC has that oklahoma doesn't have um i you know there's there i I would say that recruiting wise if you have the right person there with the right circumstances the recruiting at usc can be way better than it can be at oklahoma right now i I don't think that that mix is there sure. with Lincoln. Same. I don't think it is. Same. But I think that USC has its benefits over Oklahoma. Now, when Oklahoma finally moves to the SEC, and as long as they're prepared and uh, facilities and roster and like how they're playing and they've got everything set whenever that transition does happen – I think Oklahoma will have a a huge advantage over USC. So yeah, and, and I, I would I would definitely take OU over USC for the next five years. That was the kind of the original argument I, for many reasons, but one OU starting in a much better place than what SC is starting at right now. Right. I mean, the foundation of of like where you want to go in year one is you know, much much better for OU than it is at U.S., even with all the transfers they got. That's right. Still way better. Yep, that's right. So, I don't know. That's interesting, and I don't even think it's much of a debate, frankly. I really don't. And I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that just uh, in, in 
I would say that, and that's not just a USC thing. I would say that about almost any program in the country, frankly. There's only maybe three. Bama, Georgia are one and two. Uh, Ohio State, maybe another. Like Ohio State and Clemson are a little bit interesting, especially Clemson. I'll, I'll take Oklahoma over Clemson moving forward. I think Clemson's going to be really good this year, but I'll take Oklahoma over Clemson moving forward. I think the trajectory looks really, really good. Um, not Bama, not Georgia, not Ohio State, because I think Ohio State has some have some built-in benefits that, that Oklahoma doesn't as far as geography is concerned, but... I think that there's a, a, a good chance that we win more than Ohio State moving forward. Yeah, there's there's a chance. I, I mean, they're going to be in a nice conference, but not as tough as the SEC. So they'll still probably they'll be yeah. they'll be the king of the north for the foreseeable future, just like they have been for several decades. They're going to be yeah. the, the king of the north, and then everyone else is going to be assembled in the southeast, trying to battle it all out. The question is. Will Oregon be out there on an outpost of its own, you know, kind of running things on the West Coast? That's that's kind of how I see the next five years of college football. Ohio State's the king of the North. Oregon is controlling the West Coast, and it's an all-out dogfight in the Southeast on a year-in-year-out basis. Oregon is – I believe Oregon is the wild card over the next five years. I totally agree with that, man. I, I think I, they I, are. I think that – I think the the taking the SEC mindset out there and using that as a recruiting tool is going to pay dividends for them. They've also got they've got more money backing them than any other program in the country. I think like, that may not be true, but like Phil Knight's right there handing them a blank check. The NIL thing that they're doing out there is aggressive. It's it's crazy. The players are designing their own shoes. They got NFTs. They've got you know million dollar uh, deals, and it's all going through. Some of it's going through Phil Knight's companies. I mean, it, Oregon is about to uh, if they can get the players in and they can they can do the right thing, developing and 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 really convincing the West Coast to buy into what they're trying to do. Like that may be a hard thing though. You know, maybe cuz it's 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 a different it's a different grind. It's a different grind with what they're going to be trying to do out there and if they can get the buy-in, Oregon could be dangerous, buddy. No doubt. Really dangerous. Right? If if Oregon can own USC and Utah Think about the geography that they've got on lockdown compared to really anyone else. Yeah, the recruiting and, circle. Well, and that's why they're the most dangerous. I I don't believe like I, I think Lincoln could do really well in California. He's going to do really well. He's already done really well in California recruiting. But I don't really think that he can go to other regions of the country and really make a you know make a lot of inroads at at all the positions across the field. You know. I think Dan yeah. Lanning can. I think Dan Lanning's got Midwestern roots in that Kansas City area. Clearly, he's going to have some roots in the in the Southeast. They're the dangerous program in the Pac-12. 
because they yeah, can go outside of the West Coast and get and get kids. And and they don't just have to go east; they can also go west with the Pacific Islanders. And you know, Oregon's already done some some good stuff there, but uh, it's still a growing segment of college football. And uh, they've got the right people on that staff to be able to recruit that that demographic really, really well. So scary. Scary. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up here at Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. Stay tuned. Teddy Lehman, we call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Well, first, let's give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Roof Tech. A former teammate of mine, Josh Tucker, runs the show over there, Tyler. Roofing needs, whether it is full roof replacement or just repairs, the guys at Roof Tech can take care of you. Um, I saw that Texas, Tyler, got a transfer portal guy. Oh, Alabama wide receiver. Yeah, so his initial recruitment, you're talking about Ajayi Hall. I think it was down to OU and Bama, and he ended up picking uh, Bama in the end. But sounds like Bama was really cool with this kid entering the portal. Uh, he wasn't taking care of his business in Tuscaloosa. So I'm, sounds like Nick Saban's like, okay, Texas, you can have him. All, all good. Yep. I saw this, which was interesting. Now, this article came out today. I don't know when this statement was made by University of Oklahoma Athletic Director Joe Castiglione, but it was on a Sirius XM interview, um, and he was asked about the current changes in landscape of college football, the transfer portal and NIL stuff going on. Here's the quote, Tyler. I hate to be a I told you so kind of person, but this is what we tried to fight against. Uh, this is ridiculous to be candid. Everybody wants to go back to what they thought it was going to be, but the combination of now the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness and a number of other changes hitting at one time, people are leveraging one against the other, and I've talked to coaches and they feel trapped in a way. Maybe not the right word, but they're sitting there trying to reshape a roster and you're working on prospects of athletes that are coming out of high school in a traditional way, players on your team that have now entered the transfer portal, so you have to fill spots you didn't expect, and then you fill them with a high school athlete or transfer portal individual, and when you bring them into the program, somebody on the team gets mad because of the person you brought in, so they go to the transfer portal. It's a never-ending situation. It seems like coaches will obviously tell you that there's a premium on recruiting and retaining your current players and managing the portal as best you can, but the, door, but the door swings both ways, obviously. If you lose a player, you have an opportunity to replace that player more quickly uh, than you can through traditional recruiting of a high school or junior college player. But right now, it's really difficult. And it's gone beyond what is a reasonable transfer purpose because now we're seeing players that are transferring to their third, if not fourth, school since they've entered. So it's off the rails. I, I love that comment. I mean, that's isn't that what you would want your AD to say? I'm glad he's yeah. standing up against what we all thought was going to be the case from the beginning. And 
we wanted to give athletes more say and more power, and that's great, but we went way too far past the other side. Yeah. Now, now you can't really come back from it. And, you know, there's there's plenty of coaches that have been vocal out there that don't like it. Dabo Svini has been vocal, doesn't like it. Even uh, University of Alabama head football coach Nick Saban has said it. And this is his quote. I don't think what we're doing right now is a sustainable model. That creates a situation where you can basically buy players. You can do it in recruiting. I mean, if that's what we want college football to be, I don't know. You can also get players to get in the transfer portal, see if they can get more someplace else than they can get at your place. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot of things with Saban where I know someone's sitting there saying that, oh, well, he's, you know, he's done good in the transfer portal. Yeah, that's true. But he's also sitting there saying that, uh, are you you guys sure this is what you want? Because he's got a transfer portal guy right now that's already a, a just played in the spring game and is already a, on the Heisman <laughs> Trophy watch list in the Jameer Gibbs kid yep. from Georgia Tech. So and he also got uh, a pretty nice wide receiver from Ohio State last year too. That worked out well. And they just got a wide receiver today from Louisville. Yeah, they got a kid from uh, another, Georgia last year or this this past off this off season. Yeah. So, right. Uh, it's, it's kind of like the up-tempo stuff and the spread offense. Whenever he said, are you sure this is what you want college football to be? And everyone was like, yeah. And he said, okay, watch this. So there we go. You got anything? Yeah, I got a few. First off, this is a big recruiting weekend for OU. And one of the, the, you know, the more uh, heralded prospects is a guy that you might be familiar with. Michael Hawkins is yeah. a four-star quarterback in, I think, in the DFW area. His dad was Mike Hawkins, who I think played around the same time as you. Played yep. for several NFL teams. What do you do? You know Mike Hawkins? Like, what was your relationship with him? He, he was. I, if I remember right, was he only here for one year? He wasn't here very long. Yeah, I think he was here one year, and I think he left to go play like semi-pro That's or right. arena yep. or something like that. But was a super super talented player and i remember playing against him when he was he went to green bay i know for at least yeah he played some, for like five different teams but green bay I, I yes he he definitely played there um super athletic um like super competitive like almost to a fault you know um but was really really good i mean elite type of uh, corner. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, and, he, and he's got a son that's a really good quarterback. Uh, that'll be They'll be in town, and uh, Parker's been telling me that, you know, Mike Hawkins may not have been here for very long, but it, he's like an all-OU guy. I mean, he's still – Really? Yeah, he's yeah he's still big time uh, all, all about OU. So that's, that's good to hear. That's good. And is his kid a 24? Yes, yes. I believe Michael Hawkins is a 24, four-star quarterback. So nice. Good news there. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal says that he will coach the Los Angeles Lakers if they cough up $25 million a year. That's a steep price, and as far as I know, it would be the highest amount of money anyone in any sport ever has been paid <laughs> yes. to, to coach. But, frankly... It may not be that bad of an investment. Uh, I think, 
I think that would be a pretty big draw, wouldn't it? Uh, if he, especially if he was player coach, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, gosh, he's up there in age now, but uh, that would be funny to see him on the sideline. Uh, you know, LeBron would be looking up at a coach finally that's making the decisions out there, and they would probably be a fight on the sideline sure, at some sure. point. Hey, real quick, last one I have, OU up one nothing over Iowa State at the end of the at the end of second inning. OU holds the number one ranking in nine national categories as a team right now. They're number one in batting average, ERA, home runs, home runs per game, slugging percentage, scoring, on-base percentage, win-loss percentage, and shutouts. So basically every single stat there is in softball. Well, home runs per game, you can't count that as two stats if you lead in home runs and home runs per game. Well, can you count every, that twice? Yeah, not everyone plays the same amount of games. So, absolutely you can. Yeah, okay. Quit knocking the numbers, it. jeez. All right, that it? That's, that's it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number two next. Stay tuned. Cavens Construction, bringing you hour number two of the rush on this football Friday. Uh, text line is pointing out to us that former Texas A&M quarterback Reggie McNeil is uh, going to be on campus this weekend. Um, Reggie McNeil Jr. is is why he's here on campus, I guess. Oh, really? Uh, people want to know what your favorite memory is from the 03 A&M game. Um, Johnny Jolly looking like a fool. Yeah, is that... Did he play quarterback in that game? I think he did, yes. Um, we know he did no too. I, You know what? I don't have a whole lot of memories from that game for whatever reason. No, <laughs> as weird as that is, like it was defensively, it was such like a, I hate to say like easy day that there's like no moments that really stuck out. It's crazy. Um, wild. All right. Quick timeout. We got the final hour of the rush coming up next here from Newcastle Casino.